Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show. Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast, where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 10 of Dead Man's Chest. Minute 10. We're closing out week number two. Happy Friday. Yeah, exactly. How many uh, more episodes to go? 140. Woo! We'll be there in no time. Exactly. June. So are you ready to get this Friday minute rocking? If the boat's rocking, don't come knocking. <laughs> the ship's a rocking, don't come knocking. That's how it goes. In the previous minute, Jack takes a shot at Jack. The psychology of that must be the stuff of legends and something best left to Freud. The scurrying, cheeky little monkey drops a key. The drawing of the key, which as we all know is better than the actual key. Nothing says open says me like when you're locked out than a drawing of your missing key. You're not saying drawing right, by the drawing. way. Drawing. Thank you. Works every time. Meanwhile, Jack yada yada yadas and supercalifragilistics his crew into the cloth key scheme. It's surely the road to silver and gold. Silver and gold. Again? You silver got Christmas on the mind. Gold. Minute 10 begins with Jack asking, any more questions? Marty chimes in with, so do we have a heading? Jack spins around and checks his spinning compass. That's two spinnings right there. Saying, set sail. Dot, 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 kind of, preceded by a long pause. The minute ends with the Black Pearl heading into the night, a thunderstorm on the horizon. We cut to a wall-sized map being painted as two redcoats escort Will Turner into the room. And that's where we end. Jack still doesn't know what the plan is, does he? No, his compass doesn't either. It's a bit confused. Yeah, I have some uh, ideas about that. Because it's not for a lack of wanting to keep it a secret from his crew. He simply just doesn't know where to go. His compass is letting him down. Yeah, it's just spinning. Either his compass is letting him down or he's letting himself down. Now that's an apt observation. It is, actually. And I'm not just patronizing you (laughs) because it's Friday. Like, oh, we got to patronize Heather. I don't think you ever patronize me. Oh, I do. You just don't know it. I'm so good at it. Uh Uh-huh. Because Captain Jack Sparrow has been acting a bit stranger than normal. And what bodes ill for Jack Sparrow bodes ill for the whole crew. And that's pretty much the whole idea of what's going on here. So the compass, and that's what you brought up, the compass in your apt observations. Hey, we're into season two. You're allowed to have one apt observation per season. And then congratulations. You've had your apt observation for season one and for season two now, your first one. Congratulations. (laughs) That's the evil eye you guys hear across the airwaves. But something's up with his compass. And here's an entry when I started to really look and dig into this from the Pirates Wikia. And that's the fandom kingdom of all things Pirates of the Caribbean. And this is regarding the malfunctioning compass, if we want to call that 
thing. <laughs> we want to call it that. That. How does that work? A malfunctioning compass. If, if that's we what want we to call, call it, it that, that. That. Yeah. Okay. That, whatever. That. I don't know what happened there. There's like a word salad thing going on, just like Jack Sparrow. But ever since he was saved from the gallows. Jack has been having problems with his compass. And this isn't a euphemism. <laughs> this isn't anything else. It's really about the compass. To a point where his whole crew has now seen that something's not going on right here. Right? Yeah. So there you go. But Or at least Marty and... Gibbs. Gibbs. And before I continue on with that thought, I was actually going to say, because you talked about yesterday about Jack kind of being selfish in a way, or for himself. Yeah. But you can see here how he turns around from the rest of the crew to look at his compass, because he was he's always been real protective of it. He just doesn't like people looking at it. He doesn't want to share the secrets of it. It's a special compass. Well, Would it you is. you want to share the secrets of your compass? I might tell people about it, but I... They I mean, what's the harm? It, they're going to steal it from you. What, what's the harm of just letting him see it? I mean, he kind of wants to keep things on the down low. They'll take it from him. They're pirates. Right there? No, while this he's sleeping. This is sleeping. his trusty crew. So they know he has the compass. That's the weird argument. It's not like they're going, I wonder if he's using some magical compass when he turns away from us that we can't see. Because they know it's there. Even Gibbs is trying to look over his shoulder like, well, I wonder what he's doing there with that compass. Maybe they're not exactly sure what the compass does. That's possible. Maybe a little How bit. How it works. Yeah. But They've th- heard stories, but they don't really know what this compass does. And why is it Jack's most prized possession? Maybe that's the case. Why is Gibbs trying to look over well, and see Well, because this? he's interested. He wants to know where the hell they're going. And Jack is kind of hiding it from his the crew. He's hiding things from the crew. That's and this because doesn't everything's just well spinning. But why is the thing not working properly? That's the big question. And like you were saying, is Jack torn between some things? I mean, is what his heart truly desires? Elizabeth? Really? Is that where you're going with that? I don't know. That's the big question since the compass points to what you want most. Can't believe you threw that out there already. I don't know. It was just a... That's spoiler territory there. No, it was just a hypothesis. No, that's spoiler territory, if I do say so myself, actually. Yeah, it is spoiler territory. You just ruined it for everybody. They might as well not even watch the rest of the movie minute by minute. Maybe they might you as well need just to shut just it down. Pull it out. That's what she said. <laughs> Anyways, this potentially borders on spoilers. What I'm going to say, less than the spoilers in Heather said just now, because what I have in my notes is actually some future character conversations. I'm not just going to blurt things out there, you dirty, filthy bilgeat. But Terry Rossi and Ted Elliott are setting up this internal turmoil with Jack right out of the gate of this movie. We're only in minute 10. As opposed to the first movie, Jack makes his appearance earlier on. So that's some good news here, at least that we're seeing him earlier on. But what's going on in Jack's head? Or, dare I say, heart, Heather. So there's some confusion that we will definitely want to talk about once we get rolling, even though Heather's just throwing things out right now. And with the transition back to Port Royal... I would say this puts an end to character setup in the opening of the movie thing here. So we're done setting up characters. We've seen everybody, for the most part, or learn where they're at now. And now we're getting into the actual movie. Would you agree with that? Yes. There you go. At least we have one thing. But as for the compass, it's spinning without a direction. Jack can't get a reading on it. Can't get a heading. Right? Yes. So why are you looking at me weird? I wasn't. I don't like your fussiness over there today. So the question, why doesn't Jack know what he wants? He's very confused. 
Well, I think this happens. His brain to the, is not talking to his heart. His heart is not talking to his brain. It's just a jumbled mess. It happens to the best of us. This kind of confusion. Yes. From what I'm told, as a robot, I don't know this stuff. But Very from what Heather told me, this happens to people. So it does compute now. Kind of. <laughs> You're right, kind of. But at this point, he really isn't settled on what he really wants. The key, the chest, or something else. And that something else is obviously on his mind. And that's why it's spinning around like that. Or the treasure. That's what I just said. The chest. You said the key, the chest, or something else. I said the treasure. Well, we all know what the treasure is. The treasure can be something else. It doesn't have to be all silver and gold made, as Jack Sparrow told Will. You're just spoiling territory out there. I didn't say anything. I mean, this is really such a huge topic, and uh, you're making light of it. It's all full of spoilers ahead. It's Friday. And I know I'm walking a tightrope here trying to keep Heather leashed on this kind of thing. But there's so, there was also so much debate between Verbinski and Terry and Ted about weather in this scene. About that the weather? Not the weather, but the other weather. There's like <laughs> other weathers. It's spelled differently. I know you don't spell it differently, but it is. And what I'm talking about is this first scene here aboard the Pearl. And they were discussing, do we want to show the compass pointing in a specific direction and then actually have Jack set course in the opposite direction? That was one of the debates they were having. Wow. Or to show it is as it to show it as is in the movie right now. I had to slow that down just to get that out. I was afraid <laughs> I was going to bumble that again. And I say bumble in uh, regards to the Christmas season with Rudolph the Red Nose. Yeah, he's he's all over the place this week. That he is because the idea that the first would you know okay okay let me the idea that this first way or this first movie making scene that they debated about if they showed the compass pointing one direction it points the other and he goes the other way it would have made it clear to the audience or at least more clear or clearer to the audience that something weird was going on with jack right he's not going where the compass points what's up with that right so that is the whole deal everybody would have been like okay that's strange we all know the compass points where he wants to go so why is he going in the opposite direction right But the second one that we actually get in the movie here, this is actually more, like, demonstrative of his emotional state. Right. It shows that turmoil that he's fighting with himself, something inside of him. He's really at odds with himself and what he really wants. Yes. It's like, what does he really want? He wants to go get this stuff, but what is it? It's something lingering in the back of his mind that he really wants more than the gold and the silver or the chest and stuff. Right? Yep. There you go. Are they headed back to where he came from? Because it kind of seemed, I don't know, it could be just me, that the direction they're heading is the same side of the boat that he got on, or ship that he got on, 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 on. Man, this this episode is going to be a toilet. <laughs> we have so, so many words. This is I, People out there being going, God, can these guys even talk? Not tonight. Have they spoken before? <laughs> is this the first time they've ever spoken? Yeah. And so he's... On that same side of the boat, and he's going that direction. So it kind of, in my mind, makes me think like he's going back towards the way he came. Okay, I don't really understand that because he was in a prison. Who knows how long he was well, there? I understand that. Why have... would he be going that way? But but Gibbs had the to bring the boat. He's going. He's to. got me saying boat now. This is a ship, and you got me saying boat because you keep throwing it out there. First of all, Jack needs to get off the Jolly Mon and get himself a real ship. Okay, now he's got that. So we're over the boats. He's on his ship. It's the Black Pearl, by the way. And Gibbs is hanging out out there. 
waiting for Jack to return. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Jack gets on the boat. The ship. Arr! The ship. On the left-hand side of the ship. Okay? We're just saying this left-hand side. And then when he goes How's to... How's it the left-hand side? He climbs on the ship like this. Okay, the left-hand side. Okay. So he gets in on the left-hand side of the ship. And then he goes left when he points his direction. But how is... A ship where it's pointed sitting out there waiting for him, indicative of where they're going. And on that same topic of his emotional state, even box office mojo asked Ted Elliott, what is the meaning of the series? And he responded that it's a study of what is a pirate. And he broke it even down further. It's like, how free can you really be? And this is him saying this. What are those trade-offs? Jack kind of represents the ultimate free man. He really has no obligations to anybody. And obviously, if you make an obligation to somebody, you're limiting your own freedom. But if you're not willing to limit your own freedom, you can't have those relationships. And if you look at Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, from that point of view, you kind of see what really leads to Jack's ultimate fate. And that's the journey we're going to be on here as we tackle this film. Well, and this, the next one too, At World's End, because they're really like one long movie. And this is where the show takes the sudden deep meaning turn. It's all fun and games and euphemisms and history, but all of that is really about defining yourself and who you are. That's where the, we're going with this movie. And this is why this series has so much to offer for a podcast and minute breakdown. And it's just more than a, like a action adventure swashbuckler movie, because there really is a lot of elements to it. So there, there you go. Tell your friends and family that this is not just a pirate show, but a journey of the heart and mind. There you go. There you go. Plus, it gets back to a listener theory we received in season one, and that relates directly to Dead Man's Chest as well. And this is to Caitlin out there. You nailed the symbolism on the head, and I can't wait to talk about it when we get to that point in the movie. It just adds to the evidence that's already starting to accumulate here in minute 10. And that's with the whole relationship thing and Heather's spoiler about Elizabeth potentially... But then just Jack's turmoil and emotion on what he really wants. And like Caitlin, if you have a question, thought, or theory, maybe something we overlooked, give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. Yeah, I got to have a little commercial in the middle of this. Or you can talk to us on social media or even call the pirate hotline at 8637-PIRATE. Yeah, it's highly likely we'll share your message on the show too. But Caitlin really had some good thoughts on that. And there's going to be some cool symbolism that comes up when we actually move along in the movie. So that's why I wanted. And it all relates to this initial kind of catalyst of what's going on with Jack, the compass and the rest of this adventure coming up. So speaking of heart and mind where my heart is, of course, and this is before we leave the Mediterranean and head back to Port Royal. I want to revisit the Turkish prison. Wasn't that in the last couple of minutes? Yeah, but we're still floating out in the ocean of the Mediterranean with the Turkish prison nearby. Jack just got on board from the coffin. So it's right there. So yeah, the prison. And I mentioned Mordilla earlier. He's the warden. And I just wanted to make sure before I went over all this that Jack actually showed the cloth and we got to the cloth and the key and all that kind of good stuff before I told this story. Otherwise, it would just spoil it all. Okay. Captain Jack Sparrow somehow infiltrated the Turkish prison in the year following his escape from Port Royal. This we know. And he escaped from his cell with the help of Captain Teague, which is interesting. Captain Teague, his? Father? Exactly. I thought that was a spoiler, so I wasn't going to throw it out there. No, we talked about it last time. Oh, okay. Jack freed several prisoners and then defeated a prison warder. And a prison warder is a captain of the guards. And he did this in combat. 
Jack found a drawing of the key of, to the dead man's chest on this prison guard captain's body. He then defeated Mordilla, the warden, and escaped by sneaking into a coffin, which we saw. So we're like seeing only part of it. So when Jack escapes his fate, Mordilla was waiting for him outside with two henchmen. Ah, uh, the henchman comes up again. Just like our friend LeJohn played a henchman. Jack Sparrow dueled and defeated the first enemy on the bridge after a quick fight launching him into the sea. As Sparrow approached the warden, Mordilla proved his ruthless nature and, being unarmed, took the sword from his remaining ally before shoving him off the edge of the bridge as well. Wow, that was pretty nice. Yeah, it's good to be the warden. And the following fight showed that Mordilla was a skilled swordsman just as Jack was, but not quite up to Jack Sparrow's antics. And during this fight, he shoved into the doors of a nearby building before being butted in the head with the hilt of Jack's cutlass and then suffering the same fate as both his henchmen falling off the bridge. Wow. Exactly. But it is unknown as to whether or not he survived the fall, but it's likely that he died as a result of this duel with Jack. Hmm. But Mordilla appears to have been invented exclusively for the video games as he has actually no appearance in the movie. The character and the backstory all come from this video game At World's End. Which is interesting that they fill in some of the details surrounding that just to make the video game happen. So we get more story elements, more expanded universe of the movie from the actual video game itself and not from the movie. Which is interesting because we don't really get much details right now about how he got in there, why he went in there, except that he comes out with this cloth key drawing. Right. And that's all we see. So... Given that they're tally marks on the drawing, as we were talking about the other day, my assumption is that the guard confiscated this from a prisoner. Because I don't think the guard would be putting tally marks on there. Unless he was marking people he beat down and he killed. Maybe. That's possible. We tally everything. Exactly. So maybe my uh, assumption is wrong on that. So maybe the guard was keeping score of how many beatdowns he gave. Ah, it's time for another prisoner beatdown. <laughs> and then, yeah, so we're off. Out no. of the Mediterranean. Out of the No, Turkish I got prison. one more okay, thing. Okay, what? When Jack asked any more questions, Cotton actually put his hand up like he had a question. Oh, I didn't see that. But then he put it, oh, I see. (laughs) So I see the shoe is on the other foot. You got that right. Okay. Yeah, Cotton put his hand up just slightly, kind of with a couple fingers. And then, um, was it Gibbs? No. Who asked the question? Gibbs asked the question? Anyway. And then he put kind of put his hand down. But he acted like he wanted to ask a question. Gibbs asked a question and then Marty... No, Marty asked a question. When he says any more questions? Yeah, Marty. Yeah, Marty, Marty. asked the questions. It depends on which stage you're talking about. Because at first Gibbs asked some questions. And then when he says that, then Marty says, do we have a yeah, heading? That's when, yeah, that's when I'm talking about when he asks any more questions. I wonder what Cotton's Maybe question he wanted was. to know just the direction. Or if you're going to ever take pot shots at uh, yeah. my parrot again. Those are all good things to know. Yep. Yeah, and then we fade into uh, the somebody, night, somebody. The, the sea. We go out into the sea, and then we end up the next day or a day or however long later. It's daytime, and we're back at uh, Port Royal here. Yes. So I love the full-size map on the wall. This is actually Beckett's headquarters. That's right, yeah. And they said the huge map on the wall is of the world. And it clear it's clearly dictating his today, the Caribbean, tomorrow, the world philosophy. Yeah, I really love the dedication and the world domineering idea that this portrays. He doesn't even have to say anything. Just having a world map on there like that shows kind of his domination plan. Yeah. Or it leads you to think that. I mean, he could also be an agent of the East India 
company and he's going to be marking trade routes on there, but I highly doubt it. Yeah. I mean, it really is a strategic move. It's much better than the map Norrington had when they were plotting the Elizabeth Swan rescue mission. That got stabbed? Yeah. And I tried to dig up some cartographer information, but nothing on the guy that was doing the painting on the map. No? Yeah, I couldn't find anything. He's uncredited as an actor in this movie. And even Pirate's Wikia, it was rather bleak. It just said, yeah, he was doing that. But they did didn't you, have a person for him. Did you happen to look up any map painting? Map paintings? Yeah, like technique or anything? Not technique, but I know that the earliest known map is a matter of some debate. Both because the term map isn't well defined and because some artifacts that might be maps might actually be something else. Oh. This is like uh, Jack Sparrow stuff. So a wall painting that might depict the ancient Anatolian city of Catalhayuk, in case you were wondering. I was. Has been dated to the 7th millennium BCE. That's before the current era. Among the prehistoric alpine rock carvings of Mount Bago and Volcamonica, dated to the 4th millennium BCE. Geometric patterns consisting of dotted rectangles and lines are widely interpreted in archaeological literature as a depiction of cultivated plots. So with all these names going on, I'm just wondering if we're in Middle Earth again. <laughs> we got to go take a ride at Volcamonica, and then we hit Mount Doom. Yeah. And then other maps known for the ancient world include the Minoan House of the Admiral. And this was a wall painting from around 1600 BCE showing a seaside community in an oblique perspective and an engraved map of the holy Babylonian city of Nippur from the Kassite period, in case people want to know. The 14th and 12th centuries BCE. Huh. So it was a 1600 BCE map of something from the 14th BCE. That Nippur? Say that again. Nippur? <laughs> no. Nippur. 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 Did they have cats that purred like that? And so that's why that. they called the city that? Nippur. <laughs> Nippur. <laughs> That's not. That high, sounds like Parisian cats. Just because you cats. say that just Parisian. doesn't make it high society. <laughs> it You're not like, high society now just because you pronounce it like wait, that. Wait, it sounds like Parisian cats. Nippur. Nippur. <laughs> but this isn't Nippur. Aristocats Nippur. here. So the oldest surviving maps are from the 9th century BCE, and that's in Babylonia. One shows Babylon on the Euphrates, surrounded by Assyria, Urartu, not R2-D2. That's R2-D2. And several cities, all in turn surrounded by the Bitter River. Wow. Yeah, the Bitter River. Ah, my hometown river. I'm always sailing the Bitter River. This Port Royal, I have a little information on it. This is Beckett's headquarters, is the primary set in the new and improved Port Royal. The new and improved Port Royal. Yes. The original set that's still at Wallabaloo, by the way, it's still there. Okay. You, you Very know cool. The, yeah, the place the they fort actually did that. that you yeah. said they may take, they would probably take down. and. No, know, the, that's, no, you're wrong. Because the, that's the actual place in the Caribbean. They built the fort out in Southern California. The sets that you're talking about just now are the ones that are actually in the Caribbean in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Oh, okay. In Wallaloo Bay. Wallaloo. I thought they said the... Okay, never mind. No, the fort was I'm, actually construction, constructed in Southern California, which is where they actually built the... On top of that old set or that location, they actually built the church that we see in the beginning of the movie. Okay, so this is so the original set is still at Wallabaloo Bay in St. Vincent's two years after the Curse of the Black Pearl. They're going to use what was left of it, but two months before filming, a tremendous surge knocked the remaining set into the water, and they had to completely reconstruct it. 
Oh, yeah. I remember reading something about it because it's actually part of a big tourist attraction for the hotel that's there. So yeah. this was built right around a hotel and they use all of this. And I think we talked about some of this in season one about the hotel that actually still markets that they're the place where they film Pirates of the yeah. Caribbean. And you can see some of the sets and they left some of the facades that they put up around the town to to make it look like an old world Port Royal setting. Right. So that's my bits on Port Royal. That's your bits on Port Royal. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Even though I was wrong, I, I admit I was wrong about the the Fort, Fort Charles. Yeah, Fort Charles. You just forgot. It must have been. Uh, yeah, you got excited about the fort for some reason, and then you tried to put it out there. I'm sure that they would love to have that fort out there as a place that they could have some kind of tourist attractions, but no. So I'm still not really into the new season, as I almost forgot about really bad eggs this time. Oh. I don't know. I almost just completely forgot about Isn't it. I had to go back right and do there it. On your oh, no, I had to go back and redo it. Redo it. Or I had to go back and do it because I didn't do it in the first place. So no redoing here. So really bad eggs is our favorite quote from the last five minutes. And man, karma is really trying to levy some justice upon me after I gave you a bad time for forgetting pirate word of the week. And exactly. it keeps wanting me to forget this. And I can't do that. I can't let that happen. Otherwise, uh, I'll be in the doghouse. I don't want that. Strike your colors, you blooming cockroaches. Hands, grapnels at the ready. Prepare to board. It's time for really bad eggs. So what do you have for us, Heather? What's your line of the week? I'm going to go with Gibbs. All in all, it seems sometimes since we did a speck of honest pirating. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh-huh. I like it. Yeah, that's the honest pirating is such a yeah. ironic Not that I see phrase. Gibbs as a bad person anyway. You know what I mean? I just don't see Gibbs as... The problem is, is we're seeing these pirates pitted against other meaner pirates. And then they were the ones that kind of saved the day and hooked up with the good people. So we're not actually seeing them actually do a bit of pirating, as he would say. We've just seen them really doing things against people that are worse than them. And so when you look at it from that perspective, they're the good guys and not the bad guys, just by a matter of degrees. Yeah, but like I like I said the other day... I see Gibbs more as just a treasure hunter pirate, not going after other ships or going after towns and that sort of stuff. Yes, and I think no. I mean, maybe not the killing people, but they do have to kind of rob and lie and cheat and steal. They're like at least pilferers. I mean, Jack clearly stole the purse from the harbor master in the beginning of that. I'm not talking about Jack, though. I'm talking about Gibbs here. They're all part of the same crew. These guys are all pirates. They're all stealadors. That's what they do. They're not on the same level as Barbosa's crazy crew. Who went in and actually attacked Port Royal? Yeah, where they throw bombs upon it. I don't see necessarily Jack doing that, but they are, you know, kind of the the fun-loving pirates, if you (laughs) want to call them that. (laughs) I see now. Do you have something to tell me? No. This week I'm bringing a Gibbs line to the table as well, and I almost went with Marty. Just because of you like that. The, uh, yeah, I do. I like that he says that uh, Captain Jack Sparrow is acting strange. <laughs> but the more pertinent line comes from Gibbs when he responds to Marty. Set sail without knowing his own heading. Something's got Jack vexed. And mark my words, what bodes ill for Jack Sparrow bodes ill for all of us. Yeah, that was a good line. That's a very telling line. Exactly. As to what's to come. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. This is a sign of things to come. It's a mysterious key to a mysterious thing that it opens something mysterious. 
And that was a lot of detail there. Yeah, there was a lot of detail there. And the journey will be long and it'll be tough, but it just might pay off for them. And it gets back to what we were talking about earlier with Jack and what he really wants. And he's vexed by it. Plus, the really the interesting thing is, is that it shows the loyalty of the crew. They're willing to stick with Jack, even when they know there's some bad luck a-brewing. Gibbs shouldn't have been singing about pirates back there. Exactly. See, he could have avoided all this. But I like the loyalty. They could take off, and even though the treasure hasn't panned out, you know, they're not willing to give up on Jack yet. They're going to no. continue to follow him. Well, they're out to sea with and, him. And that gets back to Unless your they're point. they're going to throw him over. Well, that gets back to your point that they're not necessarily the cutthroat pirates. Exactly. Like some of the other ones were, where like they were going to ditch Jack. Yeah. So there is a degree of separation between the levels of uh, piracy yes. between them. So that's what I have. That's what I have for the end of the week. Anything else on your end? That's it for me. Well, then we'll be back on Monday with Minute 11 of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Hey, there's no horn swoggling during the holidays. Drinking, yes. Horn swoggling, no. No. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew Listeners Group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.